This is Dubai Eye 103.8. The Everyday Entrepreneur. Stories to inspire you. And a warm welcome to the studio to Elisa Al-Mayahi, um, who is the founder and CEO of Min's Talk. Elisa, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So we've been sort of billing you as someone that works in, in, in social media. I guess it's fair to say you built your career in marketing. You worked for a leading multinational and some government companies. And you decided to go your own way. Um, like many people, you sort of thought, I'm not being motivated. I'm not feeling excited by what I do anymore. So first of all, tell us about what finally made you take the plunge and, and decide to be your own boss. Sure. Um, I think throughout my career, I constantly struggled subcontracting social media agencies for various reasons. Um, the biggest reason was the content. So the quality of the visual content wasn't very creative. The deliverables um, weren't very insightful. It was difficult to find agencies that actually targeted the local market and, and created bilingual content in both English and Arabic. And um, lastly, just the level of servicing um, a lot of uh, agencies delay in delivering. And um, yeah, that was basically my issue. But then also hiring in-house is very difficult because if you want a social media manager to manage your accounts, they've got to be experienced in graphic design, in content writing, in digital marketing, so they know how to actually grow pages. And that's very hard to find in one person alone. So um, I decided to kind of go off and set up Minstalk with the purpose of, of creating full end-to-end packages for companies that they could comfortably outsource to me, and we provide that all for them. And I think that's that's a good point that uh, that uh, Elisa brings up. Uh, people think, well, it's okay. I could just hire, you know, instead of paying X, Y, or Z for for an agency, I could just hire uh, a social media person. But she's absolutely right, and we've we've learned that over the years. A social media, you can't have a social media person. The, uh, mm. Social media consists of many things, some of them being graphic design, some of them being, like you said, digital marketing, some of them being content creation, some of them being that. And it's very, very rare that you would find one person that has those three skills. And if you want your social media to be efficient and to be working well, you need to have those three skills and more, like, like she was saying. So you would have a team of different people, each could contributing something to your yeah. social media team. So the, the the myth of it's fine, instead of paying an agency to do my social media, I'll have one of my guys do the social media. That's a very primitive kind of thinking that, that certainly won't, won't, won't yield any good results. Yeah, exactly. And unless you've got multiple accounts to work on, um, there's no point hiring three or four staff in-house mm. because there's not enough work for them to do a day. Um, so that was what I was struggling with. And the name behind Mint Stalk is that it's a fresh way to grow your social media. <laughs> so the freshness comes from Mint and then the growth from Stalk because it's a plant stalk. Okay, I was I was going to ask you about the name, <laughs> where it came from. It's about I, stalking maybe, no? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, if, you were, if you were sort of talking to someone now, they're listening to this program and thinking, okay, I want to set up my own company, um, but social media is something that I'll get to later. I don't need to spend any money on it. I don't need to contact Mintstalk and get their assistance. What do you, what, you know, what do you say to people who think it's just not necessary for me? The kind of key pillar to any product or service that you're trying to sell is your marketing. Um, there are actually 
you know, very well-known brands that perhaps aren't even good quality, but are killing it in sales just because they market so well and they invest in marketing. So no matter what you're trying to sell, um, investing in marketing is, is really your number one asset to growing your business. So, and social media is one of the cheapest platforms. So mm. um, Google Ads and SEO are very effective, but they are a lot more costly than collecting qualified leads through social media. So a cost-effective yet effective method for marketing is social media for sure. Um, in terms of, of investing in it, uh, yeah, definitely. I understand that as a very early age startup, you're not going to prioritize that initially because you need to make sales and you need to hire staff. But um, if you don't jump on the wagon, it's going to be difficult for you to catch up, especially with your competitors. It's not that you're not going to prioritize it. I think it's that you're not going to spend on it, right? Mm. I mean, th I think the first, the most primitive uh, marketing tool that somebody who's starting up today is actually social media because he can do it himself, like you said. Now, whether the results are going to be good or not, that's a different story. As we were saying, uh, you will have to hire some professionals to take care of it. But I think as a primary, primary, minimum, minimum requirement, I agree with you, social media is where, where, where you have to start. But unless you're really investing the time and the resources into it, social media is not really going to get your sales off the ground. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're running regular campaigns, um, uploading lookalike profiles, running targeted campaigns, creating very creative content. Um, so unless you do it properly, you're not going to mm. yield results from it. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of companies face. They do it themselves, have a bad experience and then never touch it again. And they say this is not bringing us any leads. Yeah. And and do you, do you think there's an argument as well? Lots of people might have a fantastic idea, a brilliant business, a great concept. But if they don't understand social media or aren't a user of it themselves, they might not see the importance of of why this is just another element in the in, in running a successful company or business yeah absolutely and uh, that's why it's really important to study your target market and and where they hang out on social media you know it's not really an excuse because Facebook and Instagram is more b2c and LinkedIn is more b2b so when companies say oh well you know I target suppliers or I target CEOs and they're not on Instagram the younger audience is there and it's like okay well they are on LinkedIn though so everybody uses a social platform in one way or another and whether you like it or not because a lot of founders don't like social media it's not really about what you like or not it's about understanding what other people like and appealing to that and getting them to follow you right followers yeah. is, following is a very important thing because then you have their ears or their eyes rather for for a long time and then you could you know repeat those messages one of the one of the things we've realized uh, recently for example is a lot of our competitors you know we, we, we've been we've been talking about mm. an, analyzing the analyzing tools that you can use for mm. for followers and we've realized a lot of our competitors which we've, which we've been trying to chase actually don't have real followers so yeah, yeah. you know so you so, and I talk about this quite a lot George. exactly so if somebody's so, numbers might look great you know but it's so we, we, we are always trying to be at the forefront and trying to have as many followers as possible. And then we realize that one of our competitors all of a sudden goes from, you know, 3,000 followers to 9,000 followers in a week. And then, wait, wait, wait a minute, something's wrong here. We're, we're working very hard to get those competitors. And all of a sudden we realize that, you know, 60, 70% of their following is not real. So the real value is in your followers because you can keep on giving that message over and over and over and over again and to, 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 a, to a listening audience if you want. Yeah, it's a tricky one there because I, I get asked that a lot because having a lot of followers is important for your brand uh, positioning and, and brand awareness, basically brand strength. So if, if you've got a potential customer Googling you and your website comes up and Instagram, which is basically the two platforms that would come up, if you've got a strong follower base, it is more appealing to them because they'd have more trust in, in buying your products. 
But at the same time, from the business's point of view, if those followers are fake and you're just doing it to impress people, you're not actually making money. So I always ask clients in the beginning, what's your priority? Um, Because we've got some that only have a few thousand followers Mm -hmm. and they're happy with that, but we're getting them a lot of leads and they're converting that business. So they said, we don't really care if we've got 2,000 followers as long as we're selling through our social media. There are many many websites where you can easily measure. And you know, that's the beauty about hiring somebody like you is that you can actually measure your return on investment, Mm -hmm. right? And if tomorrow you tell me, well, you had 2,000 followers today and you have 10,000 next week, there's, there's, many, there's many online tools that mm. you can you go use to see if these are real followers or not. So you won't yeah. be able to dupe me. You actually say, listen, I'm charging you this much, but look what we have done. We have actually gotten you 8,000 organic followers in the last two, three, four, five, five weeks. And these people are now a, a listening crowd to you. And they're you engaged. Can, exactly. That's the point. Exactly. It's yeah. the engagement with people and having that conversation. Tell us a little bit about your clientele because you work for some big names, some smaller companies as well. So tell us about um, your client base. Um, yeah, it, it's super varied. Actually, we get surprised every day about the types of inquiries we get from from uh, carpet companies to uh, makeup brands, fashion brands. Sephora, um, mentioning it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's you know gyms, salons, um, corporate government companies. So it's really really varied. Lisa, is it more challenging to uh, work for? An industry or a service or a product that's not so fun, let's say vacuum cleaners, for example. <laughs> Actually, it's it's interesting because we That's have to get example. more creative. No, no, because Dyson it is. has done a great job. That's why it's, it's a bad example. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, Dyson's done a really good yeah. job. It's actually more fun because we have to get super creative. They don't yeah. have much content. We've got to create a story around it, and um, it's you know one reason I set up this firm is because I I just I've always loved being involved in different projects. So for me to just stick to one kind of product or service um, as a founder would get quite boring just because of the nature of my personality. So I love the fact that we work on such different companies and some are very you know, corporate government entities others are very fun vibrant um you know brands some are luxury brands so we do all the luxury eyewear brands like gucci fendi dior mm. um under opti fashion so yeah it's it's i find it super interesting and so do my team and typically typically i know i know you, you never like to get asked that question but typically for a, a starting up company let's say that's been around for a year and that now needs to get into into growth phase into proper growth phase how much would it cost them a month to retain your services um, on average let's say sure um, i know it differs a lot depending on the services but yeah for for startups and independent businesses our packages start from just 5500 germs a month okay um yeah so i i am quite conscious of that because i'm a startup myself so i do try to make it available to you know companies of all sizes sure um we do mostly deal with smes and multinationals but we're always open to startups contacting us um provided they have the funds to pay yeah, for it of course. and as, as as george mentioned you know you you start at certain prices because you offer sort of different packages and you're very transparent about that in terms of your website your offerings mm. you know you offer um whether it's full page man- management if there's videos if there's ads so you you, you make it very clear what you are going to do for each package. Yeah, we make it very clear for two reasons. Um, client loyalty, for sure. Uh, setting strict KPIs each month in terms of what we can achieve, whether that's, you know, percentage in, in ROI, number of business leads, um, 
percentage growth in engagement level all of that has to be really clear from the beginning so there's no kind of gray areas and that's how we manage to retain our clients and you know get them to sign longer term um so our client retention rate is super high and our referral rate is really high for that reason and that's why we've grown so fast um but you know definitely for transparency but also because we deal with a lot of founders that aren't very experienced in social media so it's much better for us to clear it to, to kind of break it down, sorry, um, and make it clear as to what that package includes rather than mm. them assuming, you know, what page management means. And I love, I love that, that she says that referral, referral is, is, is very high and that's a big chunk of your business. Mm. We experience the same thing with VirtuZone, you know, and we have a great referral program. Um, I think it's up to 3,000 or 3,500 dirhams if you refer somebody who wants to open a company. This is important. Matu Ear is very important mm. in, a, yeah. in, 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 a, in a market like we are in. And uh, I'm glad that it's working for you. And I think, I think you, should, uh, you should definitely push on the referral programs because these are, th- these, this will get you the best and most loyal clients. Yeah, definitely. We mm. haven't even started advertising yet at all. So yeah. all of our clients now are just through referrals and we don't even have any referral scheme set up yet. No, crazy. So um, we're actually, we've just launched our new website um, yesterday and we're going to be running online ads um, as of this month. So Amazing. we should be scaling up even faster between now and the end of the year. Super. Okay, so one of the things I was thinking about is you were frustrated, um, Elisa. You were doing a similar job, seeing that people weren't quite doing the work you wanted or expected of them. Mm. Um, what were some of the things you had to consider before you made the leap? Um, some of the things to consider, yeah, I did have a, a, a very good job, a very comfortable job. I loved what I was doing. Um, so definitely the risk element of it. Um but I kind of just thought it's, you know, it's now or never because I'm young. I don't really have any dependents. Um, that definitely shouldn't put anyone off who wants to start a company and does have dependents. Um, but I just thought now is the best time for me to take that risk and take that leap of faith. And because I've worked in the industry for so long on the client side, I knew that I had, you know, those frustrations were really good because I, I had the experience to create packages that I knew would appeal to other clients. So I'm not coming from agency experience, I'm coming from client experience. And, and that's why I can easily answer their questions and you know provide transparent deals and really understand their pain points. Address, yeah, address their, their issues, which, which she Find knows a problem, absolutely. solve it, exactly. set up the company. It's like I'm listening to you, George. Bravo, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. I'm, 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 I'm proud of you, Natalie. You're a good student. Okay, <laughs> we're going to continue our conversation with our everyday entrepreneur in a few minutes' time, Elisa Alma Mayahi. I'm really struggling with that. Elisa <laughs> Almayahi is the founder and CEO of Mintstalk. The Everyday Entrepreneur. Stories to inspire you. And we've kept kept hold of our everyday entrepreneur, Elisa Almayahi, is the founder and CEO of Mintstalk. Thank you, Elisa, for staying with us. Thanks. I hear it was your birthday quite recently, so thank you for coming <laughs> in and making the time to be here. Now, um, I guess there are quite a few questions we still have, and, and lots of people are interested in what you do as well. Um, I, I would quite like to get your opinion on hiring freelancers, actually. How, as a, as a startup, what's the size of your team? Do you have freelancers on board? How does how does it work at Mintstock? Um, I really, really prioritise talent over everything because um, that's really the core of any services business. So whether I find, you know, the right talent that's available full time or they're freelancers or, you know, they're even based abroad in the UK or elsewhere in the world, that's totally fine with me as long as they're reliable and they're really, really talented at what they do. So um, 
obviously it's better to have full-time staff that's with you in the office mm. but I don't think that's priority and uh, the way that we build very strong pages is I'm really focused on just hiring talent and that's it uh, the rest doesn't kind of concern me and sometimes that is in the form of you know subcontracting freelancers um, and sometimes it isn't but I'm I'm always really open to uh, variety. And, and, you know, in terms of what we're talking about today, what what's your opinion on it? Do you think things like the app that Uber is setting up could be good in terms of support for people hiring, um, you know, people on different contracts, whether it's freelancers, whether it's a short term contract? Do you think it's a good idea to have that transparency? So, like you said, you can go out and acquire that talent and maybe they're working in a different part of the world, but they're available to you to get those jobs done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just I think with globalization, I just love the fact that, you know, I could reach out to staff that are across the world and we've built this relationship and I'm paying them salaries and, um, you know, never met them before. So I think it's quite it's 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 really amazing when you think about it um the way that we can all connect but what i've personally experienced and this is again nothing against freelancers because i do work with them is if you contract people on a freelance basis are already employed they're actually a lot more reliable because they're used to working in a schedule okay Um, that's interesting yeah that's my personal experience as i'm kind of learning and growing um when i contracted freelancers who are purely freelancers it's quite difficult to get them to commit to things on time or you know to answer on time because they're used to that freelance lifestyle um, so it's yeah. Funnily enough, that's what I've I've experienced. Found. Yeah. So, so someone with a side hustle can sometimes be more <laughs> yeah <laughs> practical. I mean, if you think about yourselves, um, you, you know, you're far more likely to be productive and make time for gym and friends and everything else when you're working full time than if you're off on holiday, uh, because you just keep delaying it, thinking you've got all the time in the world to cover those things they say if you want something done ask a busy person yeah um i was just looking at you the packages that you offer so in in line with your branding i guess mint stalk you offer the seed the stalk and the tree which varying levels of um assistance for social media one of the things that stuck out to me uh, Lisa, was the fact that you offer copywriting and hashtags in both english and arabic mm-hmm. and for this part of the world i guess that is really really important yeah, I think um, the assumption that everybody speaks and understands English in the Middle East is is a very kind of yeah, loose assumption. <laughs> very loose assumption to make, especially if you're targeting the um, kind of the local audiences and you know the nationals, the so GCC nationals. So we always just for, for kind of cultural uh, of cultural respect, but also um, for conversions and, and you know quality lead generations. We always make sure that everything we post is bilingual. So our hashtags are bilingual, our captions are bilingual, even the visuals that we post, um, you know, are incorporating both kind of Arabic and, and expat uh, cultures. Obviously, depending on who our clients are targeting, if they're just mm. targeting expats, we don't do that. Um, but most are trying to target the local market. Are, are, are you uh, an English Arabic bilingual? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm perfectly half. bilingual. Flu- fluently, I mean bilingual. I would like to think because so. that's a challenge, yeah. right? I mean, I'm I'm bilingual. You well, are. I'm, I'm I, mean, quadril- I, I speak few, few oh, languages. Oh, here we go. Sorry, but, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> hang on a sec. Well, hang on a second. But Arabic-wise, my Arabic yeah. is far from perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's far from being, I would say. Uh, I have working knowledge of Arabic, but I'm, I'm far from being able to come up with hashtags and stuff like that. And one of the biggest challenges that a lot of companies are facing here is that they have one or two Arabic speakers and they run everything by them. And they, you know, like, how yeah. can you translate this into Arabic or whatever it is? Or how do you say great in Arabic? How do you say amazing in Arabic or so on and so on? And then 
the challenge we have is that I am not an Arabic writer or a native Arabic writer where I can actually check, check you know, that this is how you write it. And even, you know, I used to be in publishing and even in publishing, there's no one way of saying thing in Arabic or two or three ways. There's many different ways that you can say it. And one of the biggest challenges is when you're putting these hashtags in Arabic and you're putting that, that content in Arabic is to get it uh, validated. Mm. Right. And there's so many different ways of doing it. I think that's a big advantage that you have if you're working Arabic is really fluent. That's why I was asking if you're fluent is that that gives you an advantage because from my side, when we're doing stuff in marketing in Arabic, I have to rely on what those agencies or the, you know, or these content creators are doing. And I can't read, I mean, I read it and I say, yeah, it looks okay to me. I'm not sure if it's the, 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 the best way, the best way to do it. You know, one of the best examples of that is when we had come up with our slogan, business set up with no regrets. There's so many ways to say it in Arabic and you don't want to offend anyone by saying it because the use of certain words is very difficult and so on and so on. It took us about a week to, to settle on and Renata's laughing and she's sitting out and, and laughing because at the end she's the one who said, listen guys, this is the best way to do it and this is the best the best form to use. Uh, Shout out, shout out to Renad, by the way, who's who's working very hard on the show as part of the, our marketing team. She's giving us a way through the glass. <laughs> exactly. So she's the one who at the end said, listen, this is the way we should do it. And I checked and this is the way this is the way that uh, that offends uh, the less the least people possible. I tricky, know, tricky in, thing to do. Yeah. Um, so the way we kind of caveat that is we prepare the content one month in advance to posting everything. So it goes through an approval process. So the visual and written content is all prepared ahead of time. Then it goes through approval um, with, with you know myself, with other people in the agency. And then after that, we send it to the client. Amazing. Um, so they can fully approve everything and make sure they're happy with it. Yeah. And also that way everything's spell checked, grammar mm. checked. You know, one other frustration I didn't, highlight enough was was the number of mistakes we'd see on social media of profiles of some really big companies um just you know spelling and grammar mistakes sometimes so so it's just so important to be super careful about what you're posting and mm. there's ways of you know avoiding mistakes which is just simply preparing ahead um, and that way we send it to the client, they approve everything for the month and then there's no ugly surprises. <laughs> Must be a great way to get clients though, send them a screenshot of some of their howlers but and how mistakes do you, how and do say, you deal? if you come to us, we'll make sure this doesn't happen. <laughs> how do you stay sporadic if you're if you're sending all that content ahead of time or do you do a mix of, of pre-established content or pre-planned uh, pre, uh, pre content and then some sporadic stuff? So what we do is we keep the Insta stories and Facebook stories more sporadic because okay. that should be kind of daily, cool. um, yeah. you know, live in the life of being in that company mm. um, but then everything that's posted uh, we're very very strong and firm believers of, of creative visual designs sure, for a sure. page mm. so we need to design that ahead of time and make sure it's, it looks aesthetically pleasing the um, the images and the shapes and the colours are balanced and Understood. we can only achieve that if we plan the grid ahead yep, of the month of course yeah Okay, one final question, and it's not an easy question, but we're going to go for it because we've only got a couple of minutes left, Elisa. One thing we wanted to talk to you about is engagement, um, and I guess that is that is at the core what you want to do, create engagement, and then from a client's perspective, how do they measure whether their followers are engaged? So challenge, how are you creating the engagement for them? Uh, and B, I guess, how is it measurable? Sure. So um, measurability is is something that we cover within the package. So we would commit to a particular percentage increase in engagement level per month. So, so let's say for argument's sake, we start with a client and they get an average of 30 likes and three comments uh, when we start. We'll promise them, you know, an X amount increase in that 
per month. Yeah. So it's very kind of simple to measure in that sense. Also, uh, we guarantee a certain number of inquiries and leads. So we know a percentage of those likes will convert into leads. Um, and that's just really how to do it. And, and just because of the number of clients that we serve, we know that across the board, there is a certain baseline percentage of uh, the target market that will then inquire. And that's how you know those followers and um, likes are real. Because if they're not and we keep increasing your likes, but you're not getting any inquiries out of it, then something's not right. (laughs) Um, You know, people wouldn't follow your page and then a certain number of those not convert into business. Yeah. Okay, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. It's been really lovely talking to you. Alisa Amayahi is the founder and CEO of Mintstalk. And look out for your advertising very soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.